On the podcast this week, I speak to Helen Wilson of A-Star's Tuition Group. We find out what her favourite restaurant is, and uh, we also find out a little bit more about the BBC 500 Words uh, competition and uh, potentially a little scandal with regards to some of the entries. Keep listening for more. This is Rami, your locally produced weekly podcast, bringing you news, events, interviews and information from the heart of Ramsbottom with your host, Lee. Welcome to the podcast, Helen. Hello. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. So you are local. How long have you lived in Ramsbottom for now? Oh, 20 years. 20. Exactly. Bang on 20. Um, roughly 20 plus. A little bit more because I've been married for 25 years. So oh, okay. it's probably longer than 20 years. Well, um, we moved away briefly um, to Crawshaw Booth. All right. Uh, when the children were very small, but then we decided that we missed Ramsbottom too much. So we came back. So you've seen quite a lot of changes uh, in, in the last 20 plus years. Then. Yes, all good changes, especially in the town centre. Which is very vibrant, and we love all the eateries. And Are you, do you have you got a favourite eatery, or do you sample Ooh, a few? Um, <laughs> am I allowed to I say? Don't, yeah, you can. I don't want to drop you in anything. Yeah, though, if you're frequent not... visitors at the Hungry Duck and Bartisserie and Lavanta. A lot and of the, the uh, half of the Ram. A lot of the very good popular ones that a yes, lot of people and, know. And we've recently discovered Roots. Oh yeah, which we absolutely love. Yeah, they're, they're not open very often, are they? I think it's just no, Saturdays. Um, no, you have to book early, about over a month in advance, but it's well worth a visit. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely one of one of my favourites there as well. Uh, I obviously give them a, a wave when I'm walking past. Yeah, uh, the, on the staff top are road. really lovely. Um, so, A-Star Tuition Group. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, your background is you used to be a primary school teacher? Yes. So, I've been a primary school teacher for over 20 years, and uh, a lot of the schools in Ramsbottom know me because I've taught in a lot of the schools St Andrews, St Joseph's, Peel Brow, to name but a few. Uh, so, I was, my background is um, I started off teaching in Bolton, and then when I had my uh, boys, I went part-time and started working as a supply teacher in the Berry area. So I worked for well over 10 years as a supply teacher, so I'm very well known. Right, okay. So do you still do supply now? Or no. Um, when I started A Star Tuition Group, which was um, 10 years ago now, um, I was running it alongside supply teaching and I just had a handful of students. But over the years, my reputation spread and it grew and grew and more parents started contacting me. So about three years ago, I decided to take the leap and go full time, so to speak. Did that take a lot of, was it a lot of sleepless nights wondering whether or not you were going to go uh, into the business? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um I could just see the benefit to the students and I could see the benefit to me. Uh, I'd built a very good local reputation and so I was getting lots of students coming. So it didn't feel like a risky move. Right, okay. And I always knew that I could probably go back and be a supply teacher again if things didn't work out. But I'm happy to say that I'm, you know it has worked out and I continue to have a healthy number of students and... I'm just hoping it'll get better and better. And do you see and a lot of your students around? Uh, oh, yes. Around, around the <laughs> yeah, and it's really weird when you see 
them, you know, as teenagers, like most of them go to Wood Hay or Baker and Rotten Star Grammar School now. And when I see them and how big they've got, yeah. it makes me feel quite old, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, Do they still nice recognise you? Do they still say hello? Yeah, they still recognise me and a lot of them keep in touch because the time that they spend with me is quality time. Uh, the, uh, most of the students come to me for an hour a week. The ones who are wanting to sit for the grammar school in Bake Up, BRGS, most people know it as, they come to me for two hours a week. And that time is special time because the relationships that develop um, are wonderful, really. I have very, very good relationships with the parents and the pupils. And they do have a, they genuinely do have a good time working with mm. me. I try to make it different to school, I, not not better than school. It's just just different, and each child gets my personal attention, and I'm just behind them one hundred percent. How long does a session normally last? About from? an hour. About an hour. Okay. Yeah. And it's yeah. is it on? Is it only maths and English that you do or is it other things yeah, as well? Yeah, I'm a maths and English primary specialist and my area of expertise is, is helping children prepare for grammar school. Um, I do teach older children, so I also teach English up to age 16, but I also, if, if the children want secondary maths, I only really teach that up to year eight mm-hmm. and then I hand over to... A colleague of mine who's a math specialist, and is he local? Do people go yeah, to you or? Yeah, uh, Mark is local too, yeah. and I've known Mark for uh, well over ten years, and he probably is one of the best secondary maths tutors in in the area. Oh, okay. So I trust Mark better than my maths more than my. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think most GCSE maths is better. Um, yeah, so I I handle everything up until age six. Up to age 16, GCSE English, the children come to me for. Um, so right through from reception to uh, GCSE in the, on the English side and up to year eight maths and beyond that, mm. I hand, hand them over to Mark. So what do, what do you tend to see with your um, students then? Is it is it people that are already quite, or children who are already quite good at the subject and they need to get a little bit further or is it sometimes people are a bit behind? It depends. So if... Parents are interested in the grammar school. Their child is already quite able, usually, Mm. we hope. And then they come to me for a little bit of fine-tuning and familiarisation with the entrance exam because a lot of the things that are on the paper we don't really touch on in school. Um, Without getting too technical, we do something called verbal reasoning and non-verbal reasoning, and there's a heavy emphasis on vocabulary and uh, they, they just, I just have to make sure that when they go in on the day of the exam, they're completely comfortable and they can work through the questions very quickly and efficiently and hopefully pass it. Mm. And I'm pleased to say that last year, all my students passed. I sent eight students up for the exam and they all were wow. offered a place. So I'm usually quite successful at getting them in. Um, but then the other duties they vary so I might get some who are a little bit behind 
um, just need a, a boost. They need the confidence building up. Um, and then right at the other end, I might get some students who've got special educational needs. Uh, they might have dyslexia, uh, dyspraxia. Uh, there might be some sort of learning difficulty, which the school have had a hard time identifying. And so they're significantly behind. Mm. And so we have to work very hard to catch up um, at the most or at the very least make them feel a little bit happier at school mm. as though they can cope yeah, I guess and if they feel that they can achieve more and they know more about the subject matter, then I guess they're going to be behave better in school. Yes, yes. I think there's a lot of that in school, sadly. I think uh, class sizes are getting on the big side again with all the government cuts. You know, we have less... Um, we have less teaching assistants, which, of course, are very expensive to schools. And, and also, uh, schools are not employing supply teachers mm. anywhere near as much as they used to do. So what's happening now is you've got unqualified staff teaching our children. Mm. This is not a good situation. Uh, we have TAs regularly taking whole classes. Uh, teaching assistants aren't qualified teachers. They don't have degrees. Uh, they don't have teaching diplomas and they don't have the training. Right. So you, some of it, I guess, then you feel like the, the additional tuition that you're providing in the past may have actually been provided in school, but you're kind of bridging the gap or filling in some of the I don't holes. think it was ever provided in school no. even before, no. Uh, schools in Ramsbottom don't get children ready for the grammar school because they're not interested in the grammar school because mm. there aren't any grammar schools in very area apart from the independent ones like Berry Grammar um, and schools, uh, primary schools aren't that interested in children going to grammar schools, they're only interested in sending them to their feeder schools mm. so uh, in this area those are Woodhay and St Gabriel's um, Derby mm. Castlebrook um, so I've always uh, worked with children whose parents are you know, quite ambitious and want, the, want their child to go to the grammar school. Um, they need a lot of time with me because everything on the paper pretty much will feel quite new to those students. So they need a good 12 months or so to get ahead of the game so that they they can compete because competition for places down there is yeah, fierce. It's an outstanding school and they have... They have around uh, anywhere between 500 and 700 applicants every year. And have they, have they got quite a large like catchment area? Is it, could it yeah, be from it's anywhere? Yeah, it's right. huge, yes. Some of the students uh, travel to the grammar school from Rochdale and Haywood and Bolton. Wow, right, okay. Um, as well as here, obviously, in the Rosendale Valley. And and you, you cover the East Lancashire area yourself. Do you generally have... Is it mostly people within the Ramsbottom area or do you have quite quite far oh, afield? Over the years, I mean, probably the vast majority of the students come from Ramsbottom, sure they do, but um, over the years I've taught children from Presswich, Whitefield, the other side of Bolton, Haywood, Rochdale. Wow, okay. um, so they do. they will travel to me because... because finding a good tutor is very, very difficult. There's a lot of people now um, who have set themselves up as tutors mm -hmm. and it's a difficult task for parents who Google mm -hmm. looking for a tutor to find the right person straight away. 
Is that how they these people who are further afield are finding you? Because you mentioned that you you're a supplier around most of the primary schools here. Yeah, I, no, I think the people who come from further afield have been recommended to me by okay. very pleased parents and and pupils. Uh, the ones in the locality tend to Google mm. more, I think, um, and sadly, there's <laughs> there's a lot of probably quite poor tutors out there mm. so um i i try to be the best tutor that i can possibly be and i'm very results driven so i'm all about the children mm. have to improve if the children don't make progress there's no point what do you need to set up to be a tutor then if you mentioned there's quite a lot of people who are setting up now is there a legal framework or well i don't think there is and i think that's part of the problem um, I think that there are a lot of people who are, um, you know, halfway through a university course working as tutors at the moment. Right. They're not teachers, they're students themselves, but they still work as tutors. Mm-hmm. So maybe there should be more regulation. Okay. Do you think if there was more regulation introduced that would risk people who, obviously if there is more, it's a supply and demand thing, If if there's a lot of demand there, but we limited the supply with regulation, would that put education at risk, do you think? Or is Um, it subjective? I think, ultimately, speaking as a parent as well as a teacher, if, if I was the right tutor for me would be someone who was qualified, very experienced, very friendly, who the who my children actually enjoyed going to see once a week. Mm. Um, And that's the person that I try to be. Um, But what I was saying to you before, Lee, is that there's a lot of tutors out there that I'm aware of um, who are unqualified, under-experienced. Even someone with a degree, just because you have a degree doesn't mean that you can teach. You know, it takes a lot of training to learn how to be a teacher and it takes a lot of experience working with children from a wide range of abilities and backgrounds for you to be able to do a proper job, I feel. Okay. Taking that in mind, if you could cast your mind back to when you first set up, um, you know, A-Star Tuition Group, is there anything you would have changed? Is there any different approaches that you would have done now? Um, Yeah, I think when I first started out, I was quite I was very relaxed about the whole about my whole approach. I didn't really have a business plan, so to speak, because I was just um I was working mainly in schools as a supply teacher and just helping a few students who'd been who had been asked to help by friends and neighbors and friends of friends. So, um it wasn't casual because I wanted them all to do well and they did all do well, but I think my approach was less business-like in those days. And I think if I had my time ag- again, I probably would have set up the systems that I have now mm. at the very beginning. So the systems that I have now ensure that from the minute uh, a parent comes to me, they know exactly You know, when is their child going to attend? For how long is their child going to attend? How much will Mm. it cost them? Um, What are the term dates? When are the holidays? They have it all written down. It's all very above board, professional, uh, transparent. I guess I'll say experience then that's that's allowed you to do that. The paperwork is probably one of the more 
the less fun parts, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's not much fun for me. Yeah. It's a lot of work for me. But I think it just means that everybody is clear from the beginning what's going to happen. And so we all set off on the right foot. Um, and there's no concerns then moving forward because the parents know mm. what the child what their child's targets are what we're all aiming towards and then because it's all written down we can all work together because I, I always think that education is a team effort you know children don't just turn up at school and then come out of at age 16 successful I mean we know from a lot of children you know who have difficulties that you know it's it's fraught with problems so I think if the school and the tutor and the children's family are working together as a unit in the interests of that child's education, that's a recipe for success in my book. So I try very hard to engage with schools. That's not easy because a lot of schools don't want to engage because they see me as delivering a private service. But it's a shame that because I think if schools worked more uh, in cooperation with local tutors, then their pupils would do much better, mm -hmm. would achieve more and attain more. I guess it is tricky from the school's point of view because they wouldn't want to appear like they were failing their own students and saying, you know, you should also supplement uh, your education with, you know, external tuition. I oh, guess yes, it could be tricky I, like that. Yeah, I, I think that's the view. But when, whenever I try to engage with local schools, um, they don't want to. Um, and I think that's really sad because they shouldn't be seeing it as a failure on their part. We all have to accept that there have been significant cuts which have affected education quite mm -hmm. gravely, really. And you only have to look at what's happened recently in Bury. We've got St Gabriel's, which used to be an outstanding secondary school now, in special measures. Mm. Uh, we've got St Monica's, which used to be um, a very high-performing secondary school that's had problems too, and I believe it's been given a notice to improve mm. by Ofsted. Um, unfortunately, these things are happening in our own borough. Now, I don't blame the schools and I don't blame the teachers because I know that teachers work incredibly hard. Um, but th this is just the reality that faces us. So I see the sort of tuition, uh, the private tuition service that I'm providing as supplementing mm -hmm. the children's education, improving it, filling in any gaps. I guess it's a bit like you could take the same view as after school sports clubs, I guess, yes. because they get PE in school. And if somebody goes to a sports club, they, they would more than likely encourage that and say, oh, go and do football oh, yes, or whatever. They do. Yeah. But the other way around, when it's education, it's like, well. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of that. So the private providers who come in to do football or after school netball are welcomed with open arms. But sadly, the tuition uh, private providers are not. Mm. <laughs> well, okay. um, but hopefully that will change and we'll be able to develop more of a, you know, a, a positive relationship yeah, in the future. Because there's one thing for sure, parents are favouring private tuition and one in four children are tutored now. Oh, okay. I didn't realise that it was that many. Yeah. Yeah, it's one in four, wow. roughly. Right, okay. So you have 
recently there's a competition called is it the BBC 500 words BBC Radio 2 500 words yes BBC Radio 2 so yep. the original front man for that was Chris Evans okay um he's moved on from Radio 2 recently as as you probably know but the competition is still very much alive and well so it's been going since about 2010 And in that time, um, I've always encouraged my pupils to take part because it's such an exciting competition and the rewards potentially are are worth having. So if the children get through, you know, they can go to a really cool place in London. Uh, This year it's Windsor Castle and they can meet royalty uh, prince charles's wife um you know it's mm-hmm. royalty isn't it? <laughs> she's royalty and she's the honorary judge and uh they get to meet uh cool celebrities like david walliams wow. and they're entertained uh by you know the pop group of the moment of the hour, yeah. and yeah. uh they just have an amazing weekend away so two years ago one of my students merrin hildred um, she wrote a, a really entertaining, funny story called The Adventures of Lofty, the Lonesome Loafer. And it was all about a shoe that had been kicked off in a park and then went on an adventure. And uh, the judges really loved it. So they selected her for the semi-final. And then we were very excited to find out that she got through to the final. So Merrin had an amazing time in London. Huh? And uh, she went to the final, which I think was at Hampton Court Palace. And she met the Duchess of Cornwall and she met David Walliam. She had a photograph taken with all these. um, David Suchet was there. You know, these are really, you know, actors and actresses. Uh, Jenny Agutter was there. And uh, these stars of stage and screen read the children's stories out on BBC Radio 2. So... um, you know, because the because the prizes are so wonderful, every year I ask the students to take part, and, and quite a few do. Sadly, not all of them, mm-hmm. um, but uh, there's usually anywhere between eight and ten that submit stories. And um, anyway, this year, about eight of my students submitted a story, and I sent them off to the um, to the BBC. And I'm very pleased to tell you that three of them have got through to the semi final, which wow. is really exciting. It is very exciting. Yeah. So, how many do you know? How many people go through to the semi final? Is not oh, obviously your th- students. Oh, I think it's only about. Um, it's a couple of thousand, maybe, oh, okay. something like that. Yeah. But the entries, I think they get around 140,000 wow. entries across the UK. That's a lot. <laughs> yes. So they've done exceptionally well. Yeah, they've done really, really well. So when when do you find out about the... Soon. soon. We'll be finding out soon, and we're all really excited. Okay. Um, so I've got fingers towards crossed that, the yeah. end of May, we should find out if they've gone through to the final, uh, which obviously if they do... They'll just be jumping up and down because it's really, you know, a, a wonderful prize. It's an experience that they'd never forget. Uh, but even if even if they don't get through, I think the achievement so far should be recognised. Mm-hmm. Have you had any students who have entered it previously who have then gone on and done it in the next year or, or anything like that? No. I mean, this is why I think it's so exciting because it's such a tough con- contest. Mm. Uh, you're competing against 140,000 or so other children. And I have to say... 
some of the stories that I've seen over the years, I don't believe were written by children. Okay. Yeah, because you mentioned earlier before we start recording that you were I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, Lee, but I think that I know after 20 years plus teaching what kind of story children are capable of writing. And Mm. I have to say that some of the stories that I've read over the years, um, I don't believe were written by children. Um, So that... (laughs) That aside... We can't, we can neither prove nor uh, deny it. No, we can't prove or deny it. But um, the three children, the three students of mine who have written wonderful stories, um, very entertaining, very original and and creative. um, And I think they deserve the success that they've had. So we've got Grace, who is in year four at St Andrews in Ramsbottom. And uh, Grace wrote a lovely story about uh, the World Crazy Golf Championship because she'd recently been on a crazy golf course and really loved it. So Mm. that's where the inspiration for that story came from. And it was very funny, really funny characters. Um, The second little girl, Juliet Pilling, is in year six at Stubbins. Juliet wrote a very original tale about a, a kiwi who is in danger uh, because it's being hunted by poachers. And it's based in New Zealand because Juliet used to live in New Zealand. She's only lived in Ramsbottom for the last two or three years. And then we've got uh, Zach, who's also in year four at Chesham Primary School. And uh, Zach wrote a really funny story called The Stinky Teacher, which is totally, which is said between you and me, Lee, <laughs> and your listeners, of yeah. course, that it's based on a, a real life teacher. Okay. Who- <laughs> Let's not name names, but, <laughs> but someone that this, this person might know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, kids, eh? <laughs> uh, right. So. No doubt you've uh, the person listening to this podcast, if if they've got children or if they know people who've got children, they've they've heard you you're obviously very passionate about the subject intuition and things. Um you've got on the website you've got a free assessment. What's what in, what's involved with that? What, what would... Well, uh the free assessment is for students who enroll for half a term, which is usually anywhere between six and seven sessions. And what I do is I give um, about an hour and a half of my time free of charge to those parents and they'll bring their uh, child along to to meet me and um, I'll just carry out some um, basic assessments in English and maths, which are, um, in a nutshell, reading, comprehension, spelling, um, arithmetic and reasoning ability. And I'll give the children something to do, which is based on what a typical child their age should be able to handle. And then from that, I can determine where they're at in terms of their strengths and weaknesses. And so I'll feed that back to the parents. The parents will then sit with me after the assessment. Um, It's not a test. Some children come along thinking they're going to be tested and Mm. then they're always pleasantly surprised when they meet me, see that I'm really friendly. Um, It's nothing to be afraid of or anything and it doesn't feel like a test to Mm. them. Um, And then from there, I can feedback the results to the parents and I can explain to them what their child's strengths are, but more importantly, where the gaps are. 
if any, and what we can do about them. And then based on the results I'll give, I'll sort of recommend two or three short-term targets and two or three longer-term targets that we can all work towards. So things that I'll be teaching the children when they come for their regular weekly sessions, but also things that the parents can be working on at home should they mm-hmm. feel able to do so, that will complement what their child's doing with me. Right, okay. Oh, that makes because, sense. Because as I said before, Lee, if everybody's working as a team, you're more likely to get those amazing yeah. results. Yeah, because I guess if you're just the one pushing, then it's going to be a lot harder than... Yeah, I mean, over the years, I always give the children homework. I don't give them, you know, it's age appropriate. So um, key stage one, I might give them 20 minutes homework Mm. following a session. Key stage two, 40 minutes. And then the older ones have to do a lot more. Um, But over the years, it's the pupils that have consistently turned up for the sessions every week and done the homework with support from the parents that excel at school without a doubt. So my belief is, yes, you can get naturally intelligent children who just seem to be able to do everything. But I think they're in the minority. I think the children who work hard and have that backup from, you know, a good quality tutor and parents who genuinely care and spend the time with them. And you put all that together and that's the recipe for success. Right. Okay. So... How? What's the best way to get in touch with you? And is that is that through the website? Yes, parents contact me through the website. There's a little form that you can fill okay. in if you want the free assessment, uh, or you just want to speak to me. You can fill in a little form. They can ring me zero seven eight one five one two one six nine six. They can e- email at info at astartuitiongroup.co. UK, or they can contact me through Facebook Messenger. Perfect. Brilliant. Right. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming in and uh, giving me a bit of background. And I, I know my children are five and two, well, nearly two at the moment. So it's uh, it's a whole new world for me and maybe it's a whole new world for the person listening to this podcast. But uh, thank you very much right. for coming well, in. Thank and, you uh, so yeah, much. Lynn. I'm sure Thanks I'll see you around Ramsbottom. Yes, I'm sure you will. Thanks to Helen for coming in onto uh, onto the podcast. There, she was a little bit uh, unsure as to what questions I was going to ask, and to be honest with her, even even at the time, I wasn't hundred percent certain what I was going to ask, and we just kind of found uh, found our feet through the through the interview there. And uh, but it was great to have her on, find out a bit more about these uh, five hundred words uh, entries, and uh, I've been looking on on the BBC website to see whether or not there's uh, the finalists have been put up yet, but I haven't seen them so far, uh, but. Keep an eye out yourself and you might you might see them and maybe you'll recognise some of those names uh, from what Helen mentioned. Now, uh, I'm going to throw in some of the upcoming events as you know, it's, it's one of the regular sections of the podcast is that uh, I like to talk about what events are coming up in and around Ramsbottom. Now, this weekend, we've had the Ramsbottom 1940s weekend. Uh, the next event that I've got on the calendar currently is uh, we've got Music in the Park on the 9th of June. That's with the Goodshaw Brass Band. Uh, that's some of the um, things to to bring some of the funds for the to put the canopy back on the bandstand. Uh, so if you've ever been to Nuttall Park, that's uh, the biggest park in Ramsbottom, you'll see that there is a bandstand there, which is basically just the base. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how many sides it is, but let's say it's a, I don't know, a decagon or something. Um, so there's a big concrete style base. 
there's they've put some tarmac down leading up to it now whereas it used to be just grass but they're currently looking at putting the canopy back on it so they've they've been doing lots of events in uh in uh well i can't really say in the bandstand because there's no roof on it yet but on the bandstand as it is presently uh so that is on the 9th of june keep an eye on the events calendar i will be updating that and putting in some more uh content on there soon so that is this is rami.co.uk forward slash events or just go to the main page and click on events in the menu uh Normally, I would also have things like Ramsbottom United news and stuff like that. I've still not caught up with the cricket. I've been looking at it and I'm still trying to get my head around what's going on. I'm not entirely sure. I saw a tweet the other day that said something like, in fact, let me dig it out for you now and I'll try and explain my confusion. It said, update at first 11, is it? X1, I think that's 10, that's 11. 70 for three i think 70 runs for three people out 33 overs left i don't know who's batting and i I, i'm guessing obviously the other team will be bowling but i don't know from this tweet i don't know who is batting so if you're sending a tweet like this i only caught this as, as i was passing just tell me who's batting so i've got an idea but i maybe update at first 11 maybe that indicates that i don't know i honestly don't know if you're bowling you're batting and yeah, you're going to need to make it a bit easier for me because I can't follow it because uh, I don't I don't really do cricket. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think we were doing good. Um, there was other tweets later on said. Uh, 19 overs left. See, this one says 119 for eight Middleton. Were we playing Middleton? We were playing Middleton. So for 119 for eight Middleton were batting. I think. Yeah, maybe. No idea. So, yeah, that that's why I, at the moment I can't do cricket because I honestly, I can't follow it because I, I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about. Uh, if anybody has any cricket in background or if anybody would like to just drop me some clues as to what those recent scores were or any big news. Uh, then please do so um, or summarize it in a way that my simple brain can can take it all in. Uh, thanks once again for listening to the podcast, though. If you do like what I do, please do take a look at some of the past episodes. Uh, they're all on thisisrami.co.uk. They're all free to download, free to listen, share away. If there's anything in there you like, then please do let me know and uh, let me know exactly what it is that you like about it. If there's anything in there that you don't like, feel free to tell me that as well. But only really tell me if you're going to listen if I do change it, because if you're not going to listen anyway, then there's no point in me changing it. Uh, but I do appreciate if uh, if everybody tells me that there's one particular thing they don't like, then uh, it'll start to make sense. Um, if you would like to be either on the show or if you know of anybody that you'd like to hear on the show, uh, then please let me know as well. Uh, I'm always looking for interviewing new people and uh, I usually try and keep an eye out on things like Facebook and Twitter to find out what, what things are going on and what people are doing. Um, But yeah, uh, thanks for listening and uh, I will speak to you again in the very next episode of This Is Rami. Thanks for listening to the show. This podcast exists to interview local businesses, local group members and Rami individuals in an effort to bring more attention to our fantastic town. If you like This Is Rami, please consider subscribing, leaving us a review or sharing with your friends. 